more stability than that. Can you say amen? And so what we really need to do is, like I said earlier, reteach this generation, not this newfangled philosophy, but the truth of the gospel as intended by God. Because when you build on God, you build on a solid foundation. So what I want to talk to you about today is a message out of the book of Ruth, chapter 1. I'd like you all to get your Bible and go there. Ruth, chapter 1, verse 6 down to verse 16. Now, part of this Bible passage is very familiar to everybody. But there's something that the Lord showed me as I was reading it. It's obviously the romantic story of how Ruth ended up marrying Boaz and becoming the lineage of Jesus. It's a great story. It teaches us that there is a destiny even for broke, busted, and disgusted people. Thank God. How many know God has a plan for your life too? Amen. So Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm going to go down to verse number 16. Please, everybody, follow it in your Bible. Again, please, the words are going to be projected on the screen behind me, and I'm particularly asking those of you online that are in the millennial age up until about age 35. Matter of fact, let's just extend it up to age 40, just for goodness sake. I want you to pay close attention to me, please, today, because I'm speaking to your generation. So if you're a teenager, particularly, and you're still in high school, and, and you know, you're, you're still trying to work it all out, I'm glad you came to church today, and I'm glad you're tuning in, because God's going to speak to you today. Those here that may have been married and are divorced, good instruction for you today. Single people that are Maybe one day hoping to settle down and have a relationship. Great advice for you today. If you're a grandparent and you want to know what to tell your crazy grandchildren, God's got a word for you today. And so if you are a grandchild and you said, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about all these boys and girls and my feelings. Listen, everybody's going to get a word today. And so I want you to follow me closely. Ruth chapter 1. Starting in verse number six. When you're ready to read, say praise the Lord. Woo. I'm already feeling it right now. Somebody going to get it so good today. I just can't wait. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody need to sweep the altar off right now. Just get it ready. Hallelujah. Somebody, somebody give me get what they need today. Follow it with me. Verse number six, Ruth chapter one. Watch what the Bible says. It says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, watch this, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb? that they may be your husbands. Verse 12. Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake 
that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices, wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live or lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And most importantly, your God, my God. Your God will be my God. Ruth had a change of heart, didn't she? She turned away from the gods of the Moabites and said, I want to follow the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, the God of creation. And it was that one decision that altered the course of her life and destiny. You're sitting here listening to me or you're listening to me online. That one decision can alter the course of your life as well. Now what I want to talk to you about today is simple. Single, saved, and satisfied. Say it again. <laughs> Single, saved, and satisfied. Now, it was a number of years back that I was preaching a revival in one of the churches where I often preach. And at the conclusion of the service, a young girl in her 20s, maybe between 20 and 23 years old, she came up to me and said, Pastor Carnegie, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is coming back anytime soon? I had preached the message about the second coming of Christ. We taught the rapture. And she was so touched in the service. So she came up to me. She said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is like coming like at any time? It's imminent, like right now, any moment. And I said, absolutely, I believe it. I said, he could come before this service is over. And then she said this to me. Now, this is a Christian girl. She said, I really hope Jesus doesn't come now. And I said, why? I said, I'm hoping right now. I said, how come you don't want Jesus to come right now? She said, because I haven't been married yet. And I said, well, what does that mean? Because when you get to heaven, there is no marriage, the Bible says. She said, well, I really want to experience marriage. And there's a lot of things I want to do for God with my husband. And I remember correcting her and saying to her that your idea of your single life is all wrong. Because in her mind, being single is kind of like an immigrant living in the United States waiting for their green card. You know, I'm living here in the country, I can function, but I'm not really legal and legitimate until I get the green card. Well, I'm here, yeah, I got my job and I've got my apartment and everything, but oh, I can never be legitimate I get that green card. Do you know there's single people like this girl I'm talking about who think that way? Okay, I'm a Christian, I'm single, but I'm not really legitimate until I get a spouse. Why else would she say the most important thing on God's prophetic calendar for our generation is the day Jesus comes to take us home? I don't care about my car. I don't care about my home that I bought. I don't care about the clothes in my closet. I don't care about any of that. If Jesus comes right now, hey, all of that means nothing. I'm going home with my Savior. 
But to her, no. Jesus, don't come. I haven't been married yet. Which means that most of her time serving the Lord is occupied, obsessed with getting married. See, I don't like it when Pentecostal people say, hmm. You're supposed to say amen. See, I still can't get good amens out of y'all. I can tell. We're going to have a good time in the message today because I'm going to preach it anyway. Now, the reality is uh, she is a child of God. This woman loves the Lord Jesus. But her thing is when I get married one day, then all of the loose pieces of my life are going to come together. All of the misunderstandings of my life will make sense. And so she's in church just waiting, waiting to get the gospel hookup. Look at me, everybody. Satan uses this type of wrong thinking to discourage people. And not just to discourage people, but to rob God's kingdom of very, very valuable service. Because you know there's a lot that this young girl could be doing for God, but she's got everything on hold. She says, there's things I want to do for God with my husband. Well, what about doing them for God as a single woman? See, in her mind, no, I can't do it as a single woman or as a single man. I got to wait until I get married. As if marriage is some magical thing that's going to fix every problem in your life. If you are someone listening to me online or in service today and you have ever thought something like that, may the Lord rebuke you today and may you understand that having a relationship is not the fullness of your life. The fullness of your life is to know God and to serve him. Say amen. Whether you do that as a single person or as a married person, it doesn't really matter. But what has happened in this woman's mind is somewhere she has picked it up, maybe on the internet, maybe she's picked it up in our culture, maybe she's picked it up from preachers preaching, but in her mind, nothing really matters as a Christian until I get married. So I'm waiting, even to the point that she says, Jesus, don't come. What is she saying? Experiencing marriage is sweeter than the coming of Jesus. Well, there's a scripture that I want to take a few moments and talk about before I go into the text. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, everyone. I want you to read verse 32 and verse 33 with me. Come on, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And it's verse number 32 and verse number 33. I want you to listen to the word of God with me. Just follow it. Here's what these two verses says. The Bible says, but I want you to be without means without worry or concern. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Now, I just want you to stop right there, and I want you to understand why God put that in the Bible. Because it's the total opposite of what this young girl said to me. Now listen, if God put it in the Bible, then we need it. He said, I don't want you to be full of anxiousness or anxiety or worry or care. Just like this young girl who talked to me. He said, I don't want you living your life like that. He said, I want to educate you. And then he says... That an unmarried person, look at it. He said, an unmarried person cares about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. 
God is saying single people have a major advantage over married people. Well, she thinks just the opposite. See, this is what I'm saying about millennials. You've got to reteach them. And here's people sitting here looking at me right now. And y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I ain't great. Sitting in church the whole time, looking for my husband, looking for my wife, looking for my husband. And the whole idea is that this is somehow the big, full moment of life. And God says, you got it all wrong. Who have you been listening to? He said, unmarried people have a far greater advantage when it comes to serving the Lord because they can focus on the things of God. He said, but married people have to focus on issues of their family and their spouse. When she said, I want to do something for God with my husband, I can hear God rebuking her. Do something for God with your husband. You get married and have kids, you're going to do less. What he's saying, you want to do something for God? Do it while you're single. Do it when there's no restraints. Do it when you don't have to answer to anybody. Do it when you can stay out to three in the morning and do it. All right, I ain't getting too many amens. I'm going to keep on preaching. See, you see, see, y- y'all millennials, someone's got to teach you, or I say unteach you, all the stuff that you've been picking up. This poor girl is just in her 20s, and she's completely unsatisfied. She's completely irritated in her Christian life, waiting for the day I get a man in my life. Listen to me. Being single is not some inferiority status. Being single is not some second-class situation. There are three main characters in the New Testament. Jesus, John the Baptist, and the Apostle Paul. They shook up the modern world of the New Testament, ushered in the gospel that changed both culture and society and brought hope and redemption to the world. These three men were at the forefront. Jesus, the Savior, John the Baptist, the forerunner, and Paul the Apostle, the number one evangelist carrying the gospel throughout Asia Minor, the known world at the time. And all three of these characters had one thing in common, they were all single. I couldn't even get an amen on that one. All three of them. I'm talking about ushering in a world universe changing message of hope to the world and God used three single men to do it. Imagine if Jesus had to go home to his wife. Well, uh, Bartimaeus, I can't really heal you right now because my wife told me I need to come home and go to the market and buy some plantains. What if the Apostle Paul, I can't do that crusade because my wife said, you've been gone too long. You've been gone every night this week. And you need to be home tonight. You and that church, that's all you talk about. Can you imagine? John the Baptist, he's out there preaching and ministering. His wife told him, when you coming home, these kids drive me crazy. Well, baby, you know the Lord, the Lord, you always talk about the Lord. What about me? What about my feelings? What about, see, you don't care nothing about your problem. You don't care nothing about us. I'm reading the Bible to y'all today. Now see, in generations gone past, what I'm talking about was taught to people. And single people changed the world. I told you all that when I went up to Philadelphia, I went to visit the graveyard 
where those men who signed the Declaration of Independence, you're talking about America being free from British rule and the great American Revolution and men who were signers from Benjamin Franklin and, 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 and all of the others, and they, they, unbelievable. And as I'm reading their stories, there's a plaque where each of them were buried and it has their story. I was amazed how many of them were single men. Admirals and generals and judges, men who were free to come up against the power of the British Empire so that our country could have the Declaration of Independence and Fourth of July and all the things that we celebrate. And how many of those men were men who were single men God raised up for such an important moment in America's history. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I know y'all single people don't like the sermon, but just listen to it. Because I know what some of y'all thinking right now. Well, I can serve God with a husband. I can serve God with a wife. Of course you can. But I'm going to show you in a minute what the Bible says about that. But we ain't got there yet. <laughs> listen to me. Being single is not a disease. The reason I call my message single, saved, and satisfied is because that is the story of the success of this young lady we read about named Ruth. And she ended up having this unbelievable destiny in God simply because her attitude was exactly like what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. She was a single woman, but she said, all I want is God, and all I need is God. And her single, saved, satisfied attitude is what caused God to work on her behalf in his providence and brought a husband into her picture and it was almost like, wow, look at what God did. And she ended up not only being a happy single woman, but a very successful and significant married woman. Do you know that your singleness and your attitude towards singleness is the greatest asset to determine your success in marriage? All right, I'm going to have to, let, oh, let, 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 me, let me get away from my Bible. Let me come over here. Let me talk to y'all for a minute. See, I can tell when I be looking at people, people be trying to get, if I can just get the right book and go to the right seminar. I'm going to tell you, the, the, the biggest asset for you one day settling down and being married is what you do when you're single. See, it's always, everything is always getting twisted. Married people are always talking to me biggest mistake of my life, they want to be single. And single people, I just can't wait till I get somebody. They want to be married. And it's like everything is just flipped on its head. Because people don't understand that, that your attitude to whether you're single or married, it, it really matters that you have a biblical worldview toward relationships. And if it's not biblical, then it's not going to work. Let me talk to you about the text that we read, Ruth chapter 1. You'll notice in Ruth chapter 1, there are three single women. Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. Now, I'm not really dealing with the issue of how they became single. That's for a whole other message. All right, three single women. Bible says that Naomi is on her way home to Judah, to Bethlehem, where she's from. And these two girls, she's saying, are going to come along with her. And then the dialogue that I read begins to unfold, and it has some very important insight for all of us here this morning. Please, you all, stay with this. Now, I want you to look at verse 11 down to 13 in the text again. Come on. Go to Ruth chapter 1. Come on, everybody. Ruth chapter 1. Now, 
I want you to take a look again at verse 11 down to verse 13. All right, I read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. Watch. Naomi says, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Watch. Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? So you can already begin to see that in Naomi's mind, it's all about having a man in your life. Go back. I can't give you a husband. Watch the next verse. Verse 12 says, Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. See, now she's talking about herself. Y'all ain't got a man, and I ain't got a man. <laughs> then she said, If I should say I have hope, what hope is she talking about? Watch. If I should have a husband tonight, what she saying? I'm hopeless. Ain't got no man. And if I were to somehow have hope of getting a man tonight, what's this man obsession? No husbands for y'all. I can't give you a husband. I ain't got no hope. I ain't got no man. We three single and we jacked up because we ain't got no men in our life. The problem is that we live in a culture, according to this young church girl at the age of 20 who said to me, Jesus, don't come back because I ain't got no husband yet. And here we go all the way back. 3,500 years, and this attitude is still prevailing in people, is that what good is life if I ain't got no spouse? Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. Watch what she says in verse 13. She said, if I were to have a husband tonight and bear sons, verse 13, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? What she's saying is if I get a man right now and I have twins, two boys, one for each of you, see, y'all ain't going to wait. Y'all ain't going to restrain yourself. You're going to go get a man. You're going to wait 20 years until they're grown? No, you're not going to restrain yourself. You're going to go out there and find a man. It's all about a man, a husband, a spouse, a man, a wife, a woman. I need it. I need somebody. Y'all can see this. You ain't blind. It's the whole attitude that's going on in the scripture. And then she says, look at verse 13 again. She says, no, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes. Well, I mean, I feel sorry for y'all. It grieves me for your sake. I feel sorry for y'all. She said, I'm old. I'm crusty. She said, but y'all young. I feel sorry for y'all. No men. Can everybody understand what it is that I'm trying to communicate to you? All right. Sister Carol got it. Praise the Lord. Now listen, <laughs> the whole idea, listen, Naomi in her mind is basically obsessed that life is almost not worth living if you ain't hooked up. Now some of y'all can't say amen because you hooked up now, but you thought it before you got married. I ain't stupid, I know. <laughs> I was reading the other day when I preached to you guys about artificial intelligence and how people are able to Photoshop pictures of people and man, they can put all kind of pictures into other pictures and, and most of what you see on Instagram and Facebook today, some of it is just so false. And part of that article that I was reading was it how it's very popular among young girls 
to Photoshop really handsome guys, you know, into their picture when they're on vacation to make it look like they got a nice man. And so all the other girls are getting very jealous of something that's not even real. But see, the idea is I can't be seen as not having somebody. So I'll just get a nice picture off the internet or from a magazine. I'll work on it and I'll Photoshop it in and here's me and, 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 and Brett on the beach. And really it's just you standing in front of the mall. And everybody's, you go girl. Like, 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 like. Where'd you meet him? And they're relishing in all this fantasy because people can't be seen as not having somebody. And it's become an obsession that is so anti-biblical because what the apostle is trying to say from the Holy Spirit is when you're single, you have a great advantage when it comes to being a Christian. You can do things for God that other people cannot do. And instead of obsessing about a man or a woman in your life, how about if you just go 100% for God and let God bring someone into your life? Okay, y'all got a little bit better amen when I said God brings somebody. Cause, and some people, they say, oh, yeah, still make sure, okay, pastor, I'm with you as long as you get somebody in here. And look at verse number 9, Ruth 1. She says to these girls, The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Now that term that means find rest. I looked it up and it's a term that means to find satisfaction and provision so that your anxiety can ease and you can be at peace because you go back to where your family's from and because these men have died, there'll be somebody there to take you up because of this whole redeemer situation and take good care of you. In other words, go, if, you, if you just go back, there'll be a man over there who will take care of you and provide for you. So Naomi, from A to Z, is completely obsessed with us single ladies can't function and can't live and God knows we can't be happy without a relationship. It's false. It's false doctrine, it's false teaching because the most important aspect of your life right here, right now is not your marital status. It's your relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing. And because that's the most important thing, this false teaching has made its way into society and it's affected this precious little girl at the age of 20 who told me she doesn't want Jesus to come back. And you can see it here in this text with Naomi, but it's here in our church. Those of you online know what I'm talking about. It's all around the neighborhoods around us and that's why relationships are basically used by Satan to lure so many people into disobedience and into sin. I remember one evangelist. I was sitting in a revival in Tucson years ago. And I was just sitting in the revival enjoying the ministry. And after the evangelist was done preaching... He began to just minister to people at the altar. So he's calling people up, praying for them, giving them wonderful words. And he called this one girl out. And I remember him saying to her, and she was a single girl in the church. He asked her, he said, are you married? And she said, no. He said, I just want you to know that God has somebody for you. He said, do you know that God has somebody for everybody? And something didn't settle right in my spirit. God has somebody for everybody. Jesus said that there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs of men and people who make themselves eunuchs. He said there are single people who serve 
in the kingdom of God. Here's an evangelist evangelizing. But you see, you get these single people, they're depressed. They want a relationship so bad, and they just lie to them to them, God has somebody for you, because God has somebody for everybody. So it's not just Naomi, it's not just this little girl who's 20 years old. Now it's in the church, now it's the evangelist. You can't be happy without somebody. God's got somebody for you. She's smiling. <laughs> That's all she's been waiting to hear. It's a dangerous idea that I'm not complete without a lover. If you're not complete in Jesus, you will never be complete. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says that you are complete in Christ. You don't need someone to complete you. This is why I've never liked the term better half. Like somebody see me and they want to know where my wife's. Oh, where's your better half? What do you mean better half? I'm not half of a person. I'm whole. In other words, me and my wife, that means two whole people. She doesn't add to me and become she half and I'm half. What kind of crazy talk is that? That's the kind of thinking that makes people believe somehow that, you know, uh, I'm not complete. I got to get, get the other half of me, you know, and my soulmate and my partner and all these inflammatory terms. Listen, you got, you got to read the Bible so that we can have sanity of mind. When you come to Jesus Christ, he completes every emptiness in your life. See, Naomi's attitude in this text is that singleness is like a curse. And she's basically saying to these two girls, woe is all of us. So here's why I'm preaching this to you today. Because... If you're single and you're watching me online or you're single and you're here in the church, you have to navigate through all of this. It's garbage. You've got to be able to navigate your way through and keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not going to help you to be watching shows like Bachelor and Bachelorette. Oh, I'm going to preach it. It's not going to help you to be sitting hours watching these handsome men and these hot-bodied women and sitting there depressing yourself, wondering, well, where's mine? I'm talking about church girls and church boys into this stuff. And all you're doing is inflaming the lust and the loneliness that's all plaguing you. By the time you lay down in bed at night, the images that are in your mind are, are all these handsome buff guys with six-pack and perfectly shaped beards and these girls with hourglass figures and you're laying there depressed complaining to God that you ain't got nobody. No, you got Jesus. All of these reality shows. I heard of one the other day, seeing like... Like I told you all, see, because I don't have a television in my house, I, I'll read about this. Stuff. Somebody will send me, you know, links and stuff, and I can kind of try to peep in to see what's going on out in this crazy world. But somebody told me there was one called Married at First Sight. Oh, y'all know about it. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Married at first sight. Somebody just meet for the first time, and they're going to get married, and then they're going to follow them with a camera and watch all the explosions go off. See, this is the kind of stuff that single people have got to try to avoid with the grace of God. Come on, folks. It's a hookup culture out there. Then you've got the regular media, and then you've got social media. Then you add to that the pressure from your family. When you going to get married? You know the clock is ticking. 
I want some grandkids. And pressure, pressure. Every time you go somewhere, you got a boy yet? You got a man in your life? Got a woman yet? You still single? Then you got all the commercials for the dating sites. Y'all see them commercials for the dating sites? They pretty much guarantee you, hey, you sign up here, spend your $15, and we're going to do an analysis of you and somebody else, and we're going to hook you up with the perfect match. Yeah, right. They say millennials are meeting people online at a higher rate than they're meeting them in clubs and schools and colleges and churches. So this has become a new way of connecting to people online. Imagine that. Strangers. So here's what I'm trying to say. If you're going to live for God, you got to get through all of this minefield of craziness and maintain your focus on Jesus. Everybody say amen. All right, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 again. And I want you to go to verse number 7 and 8 this time. Come on, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me read another scripture, verse number 7 and verse number 8. Even if y'all don't like my message, are you at least listening to it? All right, thank you, Sister Carol. Stay with me. I got the amen corner over here, Sister Carol. If nobody else, I know she's she with me. God, go, you go, girl, you go. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me read to you verse 7 and verse number 8. All right, watch what it says. Verse 7 says, For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own, what's the next word? Gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Now, the Apostle Paul goes way out on a limb and says, I wish all of y'all were single. Now, what would make him say that? See, because he's giving his whole life to serving God. He's an evangelist. He's writing the New Testament letters. He's encouraging the churches. He's laying hands on the sick. He's praying for people. He's casting out demons. He's getting people saved because in his heart, the most important fullness of life is to serve God. And he's coming from a perspective that, hey, I wish everybody was like me. All of you were single. I wish everybody unmarried was like me. Then we could really stir the devil up. Some of y'all going, hmm. Because for a lot of people, it's not about serving God. This little girl, I don't even want Jesus to come again because I ain't got a husband yet. Imagine the unhappiness and the misery, what all God is doing in the church service. The Holy Ghost is moving, but she's not into any of it because she's looking around for a man. Every time the door is open, is he the one? Every time a new single guy walks in a church, is he the one? A new single girl, whoo, is she the one? Can you imagine living your Christian life like that? You can't even enjoy a worship service or a sermon. You can't even sing the songs of God. You're so busy looking around because, hey, hey, all I want is that, where's my husband? Where's my wife? Where's my husband? Where's my wife? Y'all saying, Pastor Carnegie, this is not a good Valentine's sermon, and I'm glad you was in Jamaica last week. Well, you see, as a pastor, my job is to bring the Bible to you. And I'm going to show you at the end of this that God will bring somebody to your life. See, but the key to it is not you searching. The key is you drawing close to Jesus. Because God knows who you need more than you do. And he's such a good God 
that he brought somebody to Ruth when she wasn't even expecting it, and he will take care of you if you'll just prioritize Jesus and make Jesus first. We keep telling people when they get saved, love Jesus first. No, they walk into church on day one. They're already checking out the girls in the church, and the next thing you know, all kind of drama. Keep your eyes on Jesus. God will get you somebody in God's time. Oh, amen is now, huh? See, here's the big problem I want you guys to take away from my message, and that is this. You can't forget where you are because you're so obsessed about where you want to be. See, you can't think about, oh, one day when I get married like this young girl and forget that you can do something for God right now. So caught up in waiting for the spouse to come that you don't use your fullest potential for God right now. Now, let me show you the other scripture, I promise you, and then I'm going to move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, go back again. This time I want you to look at verse number 28. Then I'm going to read verse 34 and 35. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 28. All right, here's what the Bible says, watch. It says, but even if you do marry... You have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have, what's the next word? Y'all don't even want to say it. Say it! Nevertheless, such will have, say, trouble, trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. All right, look at me. Okay, let's, let, let, let's get down for just a minute. I wish we could stop the tape because I really don't want this on, but anyway. Listen, the apostle says, hey, if you get married, you haven't done anything wrong. You want to get married. He said, but I'm trying to spare you. Is that what I said? He said, I'm trying to help you all out. Because all you're thinking about is where my man, where my woman, where my man, where my woman. He said, I'm trying to help you. He said, because if you get married, you're going to have, say it. You get married, you're going to have trouble. Why do you think over half of the people who get married get divorced? Because they're happy? Why do you think you see all these advertisements up and down 85 for all these divorce lawyers? Do you think it's because they're just celebrating? The reason is because he said, you get mad, you're going to have some trouble. Now, I'm not crapping on marriage. I've been married a long time. I'm happily married. Marriage is a good thing. I'm just trying to tell you the reality so that you'll know what you're asking for. Won't nobody else tell you? All the wedding books just show you flowers and limousines and champagne glasses and bridesmaid dresses and tuxedos and matching colors. That's all they tell you. They don't tell you about the trouble. Why do you think so many mothers are raising their children by themselves? Where the men then? Where the men? Trouble. You know, he says, I'm just trying to spare y'all. Listen to me. <laughs> Are y'all listening to me? Y'all ain't listening to me. Listen to me. Listen. You get married and you're a man. You're going to have to live with a woman who likes things that you hate. When you single... Everything in your you like it. But here she come with fluffy carpets and throw pillows. Here she come with stuff from Hobby Lobby hanging it on the wall. Here she come with all of this stuff. And you be like, what? And she be expecting you to, eh, honey, look what I got. You be like, eh, eh, eh. 
thing because I'm going to teach you to do it. You're going to love it and you at least pretend that you love it. You're going to get along with it and you're going to work it out. But in your heart, you'd be going, what in the world? She's going to want you to watch girly movies. You want to watch Rambo and Killing and Tanks. Come on, baby, watch this. You're going, <laughs> you want to eat greasy double and triple cheeseburgers that are bad for you. Is she going to want you to eat other stuff? You don't even want to go there. Trouble! Folks, it's in the Bible. He said, you go ahead and get married to somebody. You watch what happens. You're going to have some trouble. Listen, when you're single, you love yourself. You look at the mirror going, boy, I'm, I'm. Get married? You ain't all that. Oh, you just think you're so handsome, don't you? Said, listen, man, why, why are you in my house cracking on me like that? Mm-hmm, you just full of yourself. Can't nobody tell you no. I don't need to hear all that. Trouble! All right, let me move on. See, I can tell you how If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't be preaching it. Look at verse 34 and 35. Come on. Same chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, 34 and 35. Don't worry, it's gonna get better in a minute. I'm gonna pray for y'all. Don't worry. Y'all know I'm always I'm always gonna end on something wonderful and redemptive. Look at verse number 34 and 35. Watch. It says, "There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. An unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and spirit. And she who is married cares about the things of the world how she may please her husband." And watch. And this I say for your own profit. Not that I want to put a leash on you, <laughs> but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without what? Distraction. distraction. You bring somebody in your life, there's distraction. So trouble and distraction. They didn't tell you that in marriage counseling, did they? Your mama and them didn't tell you that when you talk about, oh, look, I met Leroy. The Bible said trouble and distraction. You know what distraction means? You can't even worship God no more. Okay, let, let, let me look around. I'll find some single people over here. There go one, there go two, three, one, who else? A few of y'all, uh-huh, let me see. Where y'all, let me see. Now, most of y'all did good this morning. When Brother Will... Listen, Brother Will begin to lead us in worship, and we're singing songs. Most of y'all did good. But see, there's a few of y'all, you couldn't sing them songs. Because you're looking for somebody. Where's she at? Oh, he didn't come to church today, did he? You're looking for him. Distracted. In the presence of God come to worship the Lord. We're singing songs. It's your breath in our lungs. Yeah. And somebody, mm, how's my hair look? I wonder if he sees me. Distracted. My dress look okay. Oh, did he hear yet? Oh, the door opened. Is that him? Distracted. Oh, I know I'm preaching good today. He's talking about your fullest responsibility is to love God, to know him, and to serve him. He said, but when you start worrying about somebody, he said, you don't know about the trouble and the distraction that is in your pathway. Woo! I pray that every one of us this morning would not have this attitude you know, Pastor, I know I'm single, but the grass is greener on the other side. No, it's not. No, it's not. The grass is green wherever you water it. 
and you can water it right where you are as a single person. Come on, everybody say amen. See, I'm saying you can be single, saved, and satisfied. Now let me end this message. Ruth and Orpah, the Bible says, are told by Naomi, husband, 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 and Orpah kissed Naomi and went back home. But Ruth said, I'm not going back to hunt for no man to take care of me. She said, I'm going where you go. I'm going to live where you live, and your God is going to be my God. In other words, she did just the opposite of Oprah. I don't need a man to take care of me. God can take care of me. Can you say amen to that? And she pursues her relationship with God, where Orpah did what everybody else is doing in the world. In other words, she followed the culture. This is what the culture said. Your husband dies. This is what you do. And instead of her doing what Ruth did, Ruth said, I'm not going to follow the culture. I'm going to follow God. Too many single people today are doing what the world says to do. They're searching online. Girls are dressing seductively. The men are flashing material things to get a girl's attention just so they can hook up. And herein lies the problem of young people who are coming to church today. They're not single, saved, and satisfied. See, Ruth got blessed because she says, I'm going all for God. And if God can't satisfy me, then nobody can satisfy me. Say amen, somebody. I know a young lady personally, a friend of mine, her and her best friend were both single girls. And when one of them got married, the other one backslid and never came back to church again. And when people begin to ask her, well, you, you love God for all these years. She's humiliated because her best friend now has a husband. And she said she can't sit next to her married friend being single anymore. These are tongue-talking Pentecostal girls. Someone who's just lifting God, lifting your hands to God just months before, praising God and speaking in tongues. Best friend gets married, and all of a sudden, there's this humiliation. I don't have anybody. Completely backslidden. See, that was in her heart long before her friend got married. It's this attitude that I'm telling you about that Naomi was putting on these girls. You can't be happy without somebody. You can't live your life for God without somebody. And as soon as the devil began to show her, you in back, you humiliate, you can't show your face. You ain't got nobody. Now your friend, and she starts saying, she's showing off her husband. She ain't showing off her husband. She's married. I remember up in Virginia preaching when we opened the church up there. I did one of the first revivals. There were two twin girls who got saved. They're still serving God today. One of them started dating the year after she got, they got saved and she got married to a guy. The other one was still single. They're twins. They had been close like this their whole life. They're in the mid-20s. So the first one got married. And the other one had all these offers to get married, but she just felt it's not the right guy, it's not the right guy. And she kept saying, no, no, she didn't want to date, she didn't want nothing. She's focusing on God. And people kept talking to her, but your sister is married. When are you going to get, she said, listen, don't y'all be putting no pressure on me. That's my sister. She's married, yeah, we're twins, but I ain't doing everything she's doing. I'm trusting God. Fifteen years later, the other twin got married. And she's happily married today. And for 15 years, she had to put up with all of this stuff, pressure from people. But she's just like, she said, I'm serving God. Yeah, I'm going to run away from God just because my twin sister got somebody and I don't. And all these things you guys are trying to put in my head. She said, no. She stayed on that altar and kept her heart. Praying. 15 years later, she gets married. I ask God to do that for every one of us here tonight. So here's some things I'm going to say before we close. Number one, I'm going to ask everybody in here, and those of you listening to me online, stop being in love with the idea of being in love. 
other words, don't obsess yourself and become infatuated with this whole idea of being in love as if that's the ultimate thing in life. Remember this, that lust and loneliness are not things that go away when you get married. In other words, if you're full of lust and I just want to get my hands on a man or get my hands on a woman, lust is not satisfied when you get married. If you're lonely, I'm by myself, I need a man, I need a woman, that's not going to change. See, if you're lonely, you can be married and lonely. If you're full of lust, you can be married and full of lust. These are things you bring to Jesus. Say amen, somebody. See, if you're single, pray. Don't make crazy decisions that complicate and disrail your life. And then for the rest of your life, you've got to deal with the, the, the outflow of it. If you're a young man and you want to get married one day, while you're single, learn what it means to be a steward. A responsible man for a wife and children and, and paying bills and working and providing. It, don't just sit around playing video games. If you're a single woman, learn what it means to be a helper like the Bible says. To assist a man and build him up and lift him up and make him strong. Three single women in this text. Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. Orpah goes back and you never hear about her again. Naomi is bitter. She said, God has dealt with me. And you read it in Ruth chapter 2. No, no, Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, where she said, my name is, 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 is Mara, bitter. She had become bitter. I ain't got no man in my life. So she's bitter. Orpah's gone. And Ruth is the only one that goes on to have a great destiny. You know why? Because Ruth was single, saved, and satisfied. And here is the key verse. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3. It's just a simple little verse that you probably didn't even pay attention to when you were reading it. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3. Let me show you what it says. Y'all looking at Is it up here? Ruth 2, verse 3. Watch. It says, then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who is of the family of Elimelech. Now, that's just kind of a simple little passage that doesn't even really have a lot of theological teaching in it. It says, she left to glean in the field to just pick up corn and grain. And she happened, she just happened it just so happened that she ended up in the portion of the field that belonged to Boaz. Let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. Nothing just happens. God was guiding. She's just gleaning, loving God, taking care of herself, and she just happened to be in that part of the field where she met Boaz, and the rest is history. She gets happily married, becomes very significant in the kingdom of God. So I can, I can continue my, my, my title like this. I can add to it. Single, saved, satisfied. Then we can add successful and significant. Because she just happened to walk into the doors of that church. She just happened to go on that impact team, like to pee with it. Too bad she ain't here if I can mess with her. Just happened. Nothing just happens. This is how God rewards those who are faithful to him. God did this. I'll tell you why. Because you attract what you are. Don't ever forget. You're single. Remember this as we get ready to pray. You attract what you are. I don't know if there's a, oh, I don't know if there's any kind of academic or theological 
formula for this. I've heard people use terms like law of attraction. I don't know, you know if, if that's the, the right term, but you attract what you are. If you're a single girl and all you're worrying about is showing cleavage and thighs and tight dress that are hugging your figure, if, if that's what you do, showing your body, guess what you're going to attract? A body snatcher. Track what you are. If you're a man, I got the right cologne, I got my Gucci, pants a little sagging off your backside, you got all the right designer shoes, and hey, I got it going on, and you're gonna flash a few dollars, and I'm gonna drive the right car, and I'm gonna get the right girl. Guess what you're gonna attract? A gold digger. But if you're a worshiper like Ruth, hey, and you're just into Jesus, you're going to attract a man of God. You've got your body covered and you've got a big smile on your face. You're going to attract somebody who wants a woman who's going to be a mother uh, to their children and a wonderful wife and a helper to their life. You're going to attract what you are. Fix your clothes. Fix your face. The Lord, all she did was serve God. said, go down there. Lay at his feet. Serve him. Do this. Do that. And all of a sudden, Boaz says, I want you. You want me? I'm just trying to get something to eat. He said, I know. What I see in you are the virtues of a woman that I want to be a wife and a mother. And the rest is history. So here is the key, everybody say, Pastor, what is the key to having a successful love relationship? The key to having a happy marriage one day? The key to finding the right man or right woman? I've been saying it throughout this whole message. Single, saved, sacrificed, Keep going, successful and significant. It ain't the right dress from Dillard's. It's not the right hairstyle from the best uh, hair salon in Atlanta. It's I'm single, I'm saved, and I'm satisfied with Jesus. That's Ruth, and that's what God wants to be in your life. How many understand the message today? All right, I know some of y'all like, oh, pastor. Listen, how'd the story end? The story ended with, with Ruth getting married. That's what you want, but the route to it is not to chase after it, it's to chase after God. You chase after God, that's the key, and God's gonna make sure the desires of your heart are met. Don't matter that you have to wait. Don't matter that you serve God with everything. Don't worry about that. God's timing is always right on time. Amen. Let's pray everybody together. Come on. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Father, I thank you this afternoon for your word. God, I pray that as we finish this service today that the message of the scripture would be helpful.